We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Hey there, this is Danny Sunshine Bauer from Better Leaders, Better Schools and the School Leadership Series, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Transformative Principle, episode 241 with Katie Martin. I am so excited to chat with Katie. It's going to be a great conversation and what a wonderful year this has been so far. I'm so excited about the way things are going and being able to meet my goals and meet the expectations that I have for myself. It doesn't always happen. And when things get into a groove and start going the way you want, it really is powerful. I talked last week about um, our great first week of school. And man, it's just been so inspiring to see my kids and my teachers just do amazing Things And I'm just so impressed with them and so grateful to be able to work with them every single day. So I hope you're having a great start to your school year, wherever you're at in that journey. And if I can help you out, man, just let me know because I'd, I'd love to help you out. So thanks so much for listening and enjoy this great interview with Katie Martin. All right. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I am so excited and honored to talk with Katie Martin. And Katie, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah. So what's really cool, this is the best part about 
what we do is connecting with people is I met Allison Apsey for the first time in person in Chicago this summer, the principal's conference. And a couple of days later, she sent me an email and you an email saying, you two need to connect. And what's so crazy is that you were giving the keynote at ISTE and I was looking at what was happening at ISTE and I, and I read your bio on there and then uh, went to your website and learned a little bit more about you. And I was like, man, I've got to figure out how to meet Katie Martin. And then just like that, Allison connected us and it was so awesome. So that's fantastic. That's the power of being connected. And I absolutely adore Allison. She is an amazing educator in person and so happy to be connected with her also. Yeah, absolutely. So nice little shout out to her and uh, her book, The Path to Serendipity. If you haven't gotten that, you need to go check that out for sure. So absolutely. You know, just yesterday I saw her do a little time lapse of her signing copies of the book for people who are doing book groups and what a generous, wonderful person. So enough about Allison though, seriously, our focus today is Katie. So Katie, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and who you are and what you're doing? Sure. I think the best place to start is just at the core. I am a middle school English teacher. Mm-hmm. Started, yep. Shout out to all the middle school teachers. I started my career teaching actually in Hawaii and taught uh, seventh and eighth grade language arts. Absolutely loved it and had the opportunity to be an instructional coach and then worked at the district to support new teachers. And at the same time, I was going to school to get my master's and PhD. And so I've always had this interest in research and practice and how they connect and support one another. And I had the opportunity to work at the University of San Diego and really put those two to practice for about five years supporting districts as they were coming to us all the time saying, well, we just got all this technology. We're one-to-one. What do we do now? Uh, And so that really is where I've spent the um, most recent part of my career thinking about how technology can really um, superpower educators and students and help connect them with one another and the world and not just be devices that we sit and click on all day. So I am now working at Alt School and have the opportunity to work with um, amazing educators and engineers. And we're creating a network of schools that are really committed to shifting the industrial paradigm of education to a more personal, whole child system that meets the needs of individuals and not focused on um, the standardized path of education that has been kind of the course for the last hundred years. Yeah. And and that right there is why I'm really excited to talk to you because that industrial model just drives me crazy because it just does not meet the needs of our kids. So I do want to talk to you a lot about that and how how we make that shift because man, talk about trying to turn something that is super challenging. It's it's just so big and we've got so many traditions and the way we do things and it's just so challenging to do that. Where do you think the best place is to start? I mean, it's a huge question, but where do you start with that as a, as an individual person, not as like a whole district, where do you start as a person? Yeah. Great question. Um, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. There's just so many traditions and, and the system is huge. It's hard. It's, it's overwhelming. So as an individual, I really start with me personally, what can I do? What's in my sphere of influence? Uh, I think about as a mom, as um, an educator, things that I can personally do. And really it's starting with how I learn. I think about how do I learn best and how can I interact and model what's possible? Every time I think, 
I wish they would do something. I have to turn that around on myself and say, what could I do instead? So for instance, the other day, I went and talked to my um, kid's principal and said, how can I better, you know, be connected to the classroom and be connected to the school and saying, I wish you would do um, something differently, you know, and then in our schools as either a teacher or a coach, thinking about modeling, the best thing I've ever done is modeling my own learning journey, starting to blog and be open and transparent about my own thinking has really flipped it for me instead of telling other people, you should learn this way, or you should teach this way to here's some things I'm learning. And here's how we could continue to work together. Yeah, you know, I think about that as like this podcast is a good example of of my learning journey and how, you know, I I started out interviewing a principal who, you know, she turned her school from the worst scoring school in the state to one of the top 10 in the state. And that was what I thought was really important was getting our test scores up. And now I almost am embarrassed by that because I feel like that is so low on the priority list for me now that I really want to help kids become amazing adults. And so the test scores have nothing at all to do with that, but that's what so many schools are still stuck with focusing. I also really like your your idea of how you focus on what can I do to make things better instead of I wish people would do this. I think that's really important as well. And that's challenging also because you can't convince anybody and you feel like you need to convince people, right? And oh, so- yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but I always, you know, reminded that you can't control others. You can create the conditions where learning, where people want to learn and are motivated to try new things, but you know, you can't just, you can tell people and it might be compliance and they might go through the motions, but until, you know, learners, teachers, educators, students are really owning the process, it's not something that's really making that shift. I also wanted to hit something you just mentioned about um, the test scores. I think that this is obviously a very important conversation. And, you know, we think about it's not either or sometimes. I think, you know, it's like reform. Either you focus just on test scores or you focus on a meaningful, um, enriching learning experience. And I think that's where we get ourselves in trouble if we're trying to position it as a binary path instead of really thinking about, you know, the test scores are a really low bar performing well on a test and, you know, regurgitating information is actually a low bar and we need to shoot way higher than that. We need for kids to be solving meaningful, authentic problems. And they certainly need some skills to do that. It's not, you know, it's not just go and follow your passions and don't learn anything new. I think we get caught up in this notion of like personalized learning is all about the individual and pursuing passions, which is absolutely important. But We also need to expose kids to ideas and contrary ideas that they're not not used to, broaden their horizons, and they need reading, writing, math, communication skills, collaboration skills to really be able to engage with one another and solve those problems. So not focus, you know, we don't want to focus on a test. We want to shoot way above that and have kids who learn to learn and have these great skills so that when they're faced with tests and different things that are like hoops we have to jump through as humans in this system, they learn how to navigate that and are able to attack that and do well on the test so they can, you know, be successful in life. Yeah, I think you said that really well. And that's one of the things that I personally struggle with is that how do we find that balance of, you know, understanding the hoops we need to jump through? You know, I I was talking to a parent 
uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and her student was in eighth grade at my school and is now in high school. And when he was in my school, she was really stressed out about his grades and how he was doing and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, look, it really doesn't matter all that much whether or not he has an A or B or a D or an F. I mean, the gradient on that is is very small. So you know, you, you don't really need to worry about that right now. What you need to worry about are the other things like, is he aware of what he needs to do to be successful? And obviously he wasn't. So before he can be successful, he needs to know what he needs to do to be successful. And, you know, she was stressed about homework and things like that. And I said, you can't be stressed about all those things. And, and you need to like focus on what's really important. And he had a lot of opportunities to do the right thing at school. And I talked to her about those things and said, your son is becoming a good man. That is way more important than whatever grade he happens to be getting right now. He's not mature enough. And now he's in high school and, you know, she teased me the other day and she's like, well, grades don't matter. Right. So he can get an F. And I was like, well, actually now that he's in high school, it's a different conversation because you want him to go to college. And if he's going to go to college, he needs to do well and jump through these hoops to get to that end goal. And so you got to pay attention to that. And still, I firmly believe the important thing is him becoming a good man, not him being a good student. I want him to become a good man. And finding that balance is really challenging. What's your advice for that kind of a situation? Yeah, I think you know, we have to look at the bigger picture and like, are we educating for life or are we educating for school? And, you know, are we, if we're educating for life, we're thinking beyond eighth grade, we're thinking beyond high school, we're thinking into the bigger picture. Like you said, being a good citizen, being a hard worker, being a contributing member of society. And so I think part of that is we need to come together, just like you're saying with this parent, as parents, as educators, as you know, students, we need to come together and really have discussions openly about what we want for learners, what we want for them to be successful now, as well as in our future that we're not exactly sure what it's going to be. And if we know those skills and we know the type of people that we want to leave our schools and to lead you know, businesses and organizations in the world, then we need to think backwards from that. And so you know, the conversation about grades mattering they do because it will keep kids from going into college. And I have the same conversation with my own kids that, you know, there are barriers. And if you want to go into have certain jobs, college right now is very much a part of that. And tests to get into college are a part of that. At the same time, I have, you know, tremendous hope in the educators that we're working with that are going to push boundaries and really change that system. So it isn't just about a test score or a transcript to get into grades, that we can broaden what that means. But we're really caught in a a time right now where we have to play both sides. And I think that there's no way that any of us can do this alone. It's too complicated. It's too complex. And we just need to keep having conversations about what we value, what we care about, and how we can not only talk about it, but measure it and support it so that we actually develop those skills that we're that we do really think are important. Yeah, one of the things you said is are we educating for life or are we educating for school? And that is a really important piece at a middle school. One thing that teachers often say is we need to get kids ready for high school. And and I always feel like that is just too short-sighted that we we need to get kids ready for life and that starts today. That doesn't start when you finally get to high school. Right. 
you know, as a middle school teacher and even in my own grade school experience, I remember my teachers always saying, well, you know, the teachers in fourth grade are going to be really hard. So you have to be ready or, you know, in middle school, it's going to be really hard. So you have to know how to do this. And I think it was much more as I got into the next grade, I didn't notice those things that my teachers were talking about. But I think as teachers, we get so caught up in what we think our peers are going to think about us and what, what they're going to think when the kids go the next grade, because that's how we're held accountable. And that's how, you know, and that matters. I get it. But again, it's broadening our perspective. Is it really about heading your paper the right way and making sure that you have perfect grammar? Or is it about that you have a love for reading and writing and solving problems and have the skills to do that well, whether it's prepared for eighth grade or prepared for doing things that matter in life. Yeah. And as a middle school language arts teacher as well, the way that I approach that with my students was, I want you to be a good communicator. That's what language arts is all about is reading, writing, speaking, and listening. Those are the things that you need to be able to do. If you can improve in each of those areas, I've done my job as your teacher. And if you don't improve in those areas significantly, then I haven't done my job as your teacher. And so that really is what what it comes down to. So there's also a big debate right now about technology and screen time and cyberbullying and all those things. And when I interviewed Heather Staker a few months ago, she talked about the nobody really cares if you're doing good things with technology. People only care when bad things happen with technology. And technology plays an important part in personalizing learning and teaching kids how to do these things. And it and it makes it scalable so that you can do different things with kids that you couldn't do if you weren't integrating that technology. Can you talk a little bit about how that technology supports uh, this kind of learning that we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I do also want to hit on, you know, there's many kids, I think of um, Jennifer Cossetod's book, Social Media, really highlighting like the great things that kids are doing with technology. And I do think we need to care. We do need to highlight the great things that kids are doing and how they're connecting and how they're changing the world and how they're interacting with people. So that's one huge piece of it is moving beyond that, beyond the the narrative of like compliance or what you do, um, you know, digital citizenship to really, she calls it, um, as George Crow says, digital leadership. But when we think about what's possible with technology, a lot of the Times I'll talk about people will bring in devices to a classroom and think about the programs that they now can use and put kids on screens. So this debate about screen time for me is much less about how much time you're in front of a screen and the actual experiences that you're engaging in. So if you're sitting by yourself clicking through a self-paced program, I don't consider that a high quality learning experience and I don't want my kids sitting and doing that through the day. But if you have a device that you're using to manage projects and share and document your learning or that you're looking to do some research while then you turn to your classmates and are working on a project and going back and forth, those devices then provide access like all of us in the real world use. I use my computer to check and connect with people, send an email, look something up, but then I go and have a meeting and I'm face to face and I'm really solving problems with my coworkers. And I see the same thing in classrooms with really powerful learning. So the technology should be there to superpower the interactions between people in the classroom, outside of the classroom, to document and really um, support learning. So when I think about the learning process, 
we still want teachers to be able to plan these engaging experiences and kids to work thoughtfully on problems that matter to them or skills that they specifically need. But the technology can document and manage that so much better than an individual teacher can for 150 or 200 kids. And I think one of the misconceptions that I don't necessarily agree with is that teachers now have to personalize for all of their students in this land of personalized learning as it's becoming more and more a buzzword is that teachers now have to do much more work. And I think it's really about if we're, if learning is personal, it's handed over to the students. They have the keys and they're the ones who are making choices um, about how they learn and where they go because they have the resources um, at their fingertips. Yeah. And it's not, it's not personalized learning because I'm sitting on a computer going through my own pace, right? It's personal because I'm in control. It's my learning. It's not only what the teacher is preparing, right? That's a fine line though, Katie, that is easy to say right now, but when it comes to a teacher in the classroom with, you know, 150 kids over the course of a day, not all at once, (laughs) unless you're at college in humanities, but that's, that's a, that's a challenging thing to do. How do they do that at an application level day to day? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. So what we're working on, um, I mentioned working for all school, what we're, we're working on is really collaborating with these awesome teachers who are thinking about more competency-based personal whole child education to think about how we can provide technology that allows them to plan for large groups of kids that have unique needs and interests, which is every kid, every school in the world, right? Um, Good target market. We're we're just acknowledging it. So that's everybody. To think about how you can plan based on our standards and also assess the character traits and the the habits that we also value and really manage and assess that. Because it's it's not easy as a teacher to do that all on their own. And so we're we're really finding that um, when teachers can understand the the big goals. They understand the students they have in their classroom. They can work together and help plan learning experiences. And students can co-plan that together, set goals, and then manage on the platform. They can manage diverse learning experiences and, and plan those. And then the assessment really helps to document the learning journey. And so you're not just looking at a stack of papers, but you're really looking at the process of learning rather than just one test at a time. It's challenging. And so we really are committed to working with teachers to figure out how to do this together and to think about the pedagogy and the best practices that different schools and teachers really are are practicing and trying. And we want to support that in a variety of ways. Um, and I think we're, we're finding really awesome things happening and are excited to continue to work with more educators and figure out what else is possible. Yeah. And as I think about that, I think that Yes, that's that's all well and good that you're developing that, right? But it's still not there in the teacher's hands. And so people need to get in touch with you, with all schools to figure out how to get that into their hands. But then also the thing that, that I'm thinking about for my teachers in particular is they just need to start doing something. Yeah. They need to start somewhere. And if it's not easily manageable or they can't document all the learning that has happened, they need to be okay with that right this second. Because you you can't say, I need this kind of a tool to do this thing until you actually start doing the thing. So 
for example, real quick, sorry. For example, at my previous school, we wanted to do this tutorial period where kids could choose what they wanted to do and then change every two weeks or so. So you'd have these short little intensive things and you'd go through them and learn something and then you'd move on to the next thing. And we wanted it to change fast. We're using PowerSchool as a, as a student information system. PowerSchool cannot handle student choice, nor can it handle changes. And so it just wasn't going to happen. So we went through a whole bunch of things and couldn't find what would actually work. So we ended up developing our own software to use called Picker. And that's, that's what we developed. And it was awesome. And it worked great and totally met our need. But it was so specific to what we needed that it wasn't like scalable for other people you know, and that's part of the challenge is sometimes you need something very specific and sometimes you need something that is scalable. So like something like Mastery Track, which is a, a company that um, our school is talking with right now, they're creating mastery-based solutions for schools and that's that's all well and good. But if you don't start doing something, then you're not going to know what you need and you're not going to know how to articulate what your current tools don't provide. I I couldn't agree more. And I think one of the things that has been common in technology integration is like, here's a cool tool. Let's cram it into our classrooms and figure out how it can work. And I, I think the opposite is let's look at what type of teaching and learning we really believe is powerful and how can we create the tools to support it? And I think that's what we're really trying to do is not say, here's a new way to teach, but looking at our best teachers who have always invested in relationships who have always got to know the students in their classroom and have always connected learning to them and looking at those teachers, looking at those best practices and saying, now, how do we provide platform and support and resources, um, technology and not time, space, all of those things to really support teachers to make sure that they can do their job even better and meet the changing needs of kids in our classrooms. Yeah, it's exciting just to think about the opportunities for that because it's not available right this second, but it's going to be if we create it. Right. And I think, you know, one of the just a concrete example, speaking of like, so both middle school language arts teachers, a very traditional way is we're going to read a book. We're all going to read the same book. We're going to go through one chapter at a time and we're going to, this is going to be the unit. You're going to take the test. You're going to do some project at the end the end of story. And so now I know all my students have had the same experience. That's a very standardized way of going through seventh or eighth grade language arts. Instead, an option is you could ask students, you could have a topic that you're all interested in studying or a genre, and you could pick a variety of books that kids are reading. They could read them in small groups. They could read books based on their individual taste, and they could answer more thought, more open-ended questions about plot and about device, literary devices and things that are about the skills and not just the content. So that's when we think about personal learning, that to me is the shift, is opening up for individual learners to have choice. But the skills are very similar that we're learning across grades, genres, and that's where we can help teachers understand what are the skills you're teaching and how do we assess those in ways that are meaningful while still allowing learners to bring who they are into the classroom and into the learning experience. Yeah, and and that's such a powerful example because, you know, we all know the kids who are going to read, you know, 10 books in the time it takes us to read one chapter. They're going to read the whole entire book and they're going to know all the answers to the questions, you know, when if you just flip that a little bit and say, okay, 
here's here's the question: How does the author use this literary device to communicate what's important in this story? And then you have each person talk about their own book. Whoa, that's that's a way better way to learn that because there's not a right answer that you know. Everybody's got to interpret it on their own, which is so powerful for kids to be able to do that. Right, and that's not more work on the teacher. Instead, it's almost less work because you don't have to read all those books. You don't have to know all that, but you're really focusing on the skill. And so I think when we think about what's possible in personal learning and really meeting the needs of the kids in the classroom, it's doing things differently, not necessarily doing more. And that's where I always come back to this. It's not the teacher you know, going through and reading now 30 books and finding out the main idea in all those books, but it's putting that onto the learners and helping them make sense of their own experience and journey. Yeah. And that, by the way, is just a fun conversation when you don't know the answer. What is the author foreshadowing in your book? And then the kids have to make predictions. I mean, that is just a fun conversation. And then you who haven't read the book, you get to poke all these holes in their thing. And then they get more engaged because they want to know if you're right or if they're right or if what they think is happening is going to happen. It's just, it's nerdy fun for sure. And it's authentic. It's meaningful, Uh, right? That's what we do as adults when I I don't want to just like answer a question because you know the answer. I want to talk about it. And there's not... Believe it or not, the one right answer to the main idea of a book or different nuances. And I think that's part of, you know, just in general, if we think broadly across school, it's not always one right answer or multiple choice. And and really opening ourselves up to multiple interpretations and perspectives um, is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So you also uh, wrote a book recently called Learner Center Innovation. Can you talk a little bit about that and tell people where they can get that? We've talked all around that, I think, today, but haven't actually said that yet. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, great. Um, So the book is very much, you know, very centered on many of the things we've been talking about today. With my own experience as a student and then a mom and working with so many educators really moving from this traditional paradigm to more post-industrial system of education. So the book is really about um, challenging notions of what long-held traditions and thinking differently about what if. What if we valued strengths of, you know, the unique individuals in our schools? What if we reframed the traditional notion of smart and really thought about um, how we can value value everybody and and move from where people are to um, get them to a place in, in their own learning journey where they really start taking control. So um, Learner-Centered Innovation is just, it's a book that really details the awesome work that many educators around the country, my um, friends and colleagues, and the work they're doing to create a new model of school. Excellent. Well, I definitely suggest you get that. And I got links to that in the show notes at transformativeprincipal.org. So be sure to go get that. And my final question, Katie, that I ask everybody is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you? That's a good question. I would say I always go back to go talk to your students, get out of the office, walk into classrooms and sit down and talk to students go talk to teachers and go talk to parents and um, ask them, ask them what you could do better. Ask them what they would, what they want and what they need and stop assuming and start listening. Excellent. Katie, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle. It's been an honor to chat with you. Thank you. I really enjoyed that interview. 
as I mentioned before, Katie has been an inspiration to me and I'm excited to be able to learn more from her. And uh, thank you again for listening to Transformative Principle. Uh, Please do me a favor. And if you're still listening, that must mean that you didn't skip through everything. Go ahead and go to iTunes, leave a rating and review so other people can see it. That would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for listening to Transformative Principle. Have a wonderful week. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.